1: TCK Podders. I'm your host Sky Guasco. You are listening to the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Football Podcast. Please follow us on Instagram at fantasy football underscore TCK and on Twitter at TCK underscore pod. You can find all of our rankings and multiple articles at TCKpod.com. We've got a lot to cover, so let's get into it. What up, TCK Potters? Welcome back to the program. I'm your host, Sky Guasco. Joined again by my man, Bobby Lamarco. Had last week off, but Bobby is back today. We are breaking down and reviewing some of the 2020 ADP comparisons to where players actually were drafted and where they finished. And then in the second half, we are going to get Bobby's perfect mock draft in. You've heard me do it with Dwayne. You've heard me do it with Lucas. We finally get Bobby's perfect mock draft as well. Bobby, you had last week off, man. How are you feeling? I'm
0: good, man. It's, uh, I'm ready to talk about some ADP rises and fallers, and uh, glad to be back.
1: Excellent. We are not going to preview the Super Bowl this week. You and I are going to jump into that next week. It is the Pro Bowl week. We've been over this all week. There's no game professionally this weekend, so we're not going to dive into it. But, Bobby, give me a 30-second recap in your version of last weekend's games.
0: Uh, 30 seconds? Listen, you know Patrick Mahomes is Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid. They just handle business. It's amazing. Josh Allen, I think the Bills are going to be, I think we're going to see that over and over again, in the AFC title game, Bills versus Chiefs. Um, on the other side, Tom Brady's not done, man. I mean, it's amazing that he goes into Lambeau and he pulls out that game, even when they threw three interceptions. But overall, I, I think he got to go. I think the Patrick Mahomes, Tom Brady narrative is cool. I was kind of hoping Tom Brady would lose so he'd be a little more motivated for next year. But I think, And I think Brady will always be motivated. So it was definitely a fun weekend.
1: I agree. I'm not sure it takes much. Uh, I uh, If you haven't watched, and I mentioned a couple times on the podcast, because I finally got through it, um, the, the last dance, the Michael Jordan Bulls documentary uh, on Netflix. If you haven't seen it, folks, go see it, whether you're a basketball fan or not. It's just a great sports thing to watch documentary. Um, but I keep thinking in my head after watching that that, all of the greats, like the great greats have that tick of finding motivation, finding things within themselves or their opponent to get motivated for big games. And you're absolutely right. I'm not sure it takes much to get uh, Tom Brady's blood flowing and I'm sure he'll be fine. He did what he does want to play through 45. He's been saying that for years. He's 43. Currently. I have a, if he wins maybe he rides out in the sunset if he doesn't i think he'll definitely be back we'll see what happens but either way uh great great games and of course we'll dive deeper into those next week when we preview super bowl 55 all right man so today we are going to have some fun here we're just going to dive back into the 2020 adp so average draft position that's adp for anybody unfamiliar and bobby and i have taken a look at just a handful of players who outperformed or underperformed their draft position in where they actually finished on the season. So Bobby and I are going to take a deeper dive at each position and look at players who were value to you that you picked maybe later that outperformed the ADP. And unfortunately some players that busted on your team, either due to injury or not outperforming their ADP you drafted early and they underperformed. So Bobby, before we get into all the numbers and the names, what is just maybe one takeaway uh, you had in this process of looking at last year's ADP and then fast forwarding about four or five months through the season and looking at where these players actually finished.
0: So the biggest thing I noticed was system continuity and the biggest thing for passing games, especially, I noticed that teams that had the same coach, the same offense, the same play caller, most of those, those guys rose to the top. They were the most consistent players and that's what like were the biggest thing really took me back was, you know, guys that were in that same system year over year. You know, they work faster. Think about your regular job like you're the more time and experience you have doing your job, the better you're at it. And I think it's the same thing with football. If you can, I know it gets boring during draft season to always draft the same guys who are in the same system with the same quarter. You want that new hotness. But for fantasy football, continuity matters. And especially this offseason with COVID. You know, I, I saw things like 14 out of the top 16 quarterbacks had uh, the same coaching staff, the same coordinator or the same scheme. And that really took me back. So even guys like Tom Brady and Justin Herbert, for example, who came into teams new. Those established coaching staffs allow the team still to play fast. And I think that's really important, especially when you're evaluating next year. Look for continuity. It's the best way to find value in fantasy.
1: I think that's a great call. And and having that kind of continuity always works. I mean, that's best for the quarterback position, but really across the board when you're talking about teams and familiarity with schemes. Um, And of course, when you have those running backs um, changing teams, it's not as drastic because a lot of times we've seen it with Adrian Peterson over the years, you know, AP shows up, he gets carries the first week because it's basically like, Hey, get the ball run this way with quarterbacks and wide receivers. Clearly, there's a lot more to process there. So that's a great find right off the bat. All right, man, well, let's start with the quarterbacks then. Let's talk about some of the positives first, and then we'll get into some more of the kind of negative conversations. And before we get into breaking down the quarterback position and and looking at some positives, I do just kind of want to put out a disclaimer for the entire episode here. Bobby and I are going to cover a handful of players who had injuries throughout the season, because that's just part of what we go through. But especially when we talk negative, we're not going to harp on players who missed majority of the season or even five, six games, right? Dak Prescott, um, you know, Joe Mixon, Michael Thomas, Saquon Barkley, Christian McCaffrey. There's a number of players that just unfortunately were more or less useless on a consistency basis on your team. So we're going to skip over those names a little bit here. Obviously they were a bust. Obviously they burned your team, but it's fantasy football. It's injuries. It happens. So we don't really want to dwell on that per se. So if you're thinking through the episode, like what about all these guys that let our teams down? We recognize that we're looking at more teams and players who did produce and did actually have, uh, you know, a legit 10 plus games to actually grab some data off of. So just a disclaimer there, Bobby, I'll let it go with you. Let's start with the quarterbacks here. Give me some of the best values you found at the quarterback position.
0: Yeah. So right off the bat, it's gotta be Josh Allen. I mean, he was a very reasonable price during draft season. He was around the QB nine and he finishes the QB one. Um, even on a consistency basis, he was, a, he was considered like a top six quarterback in consistency uh, based on some of the metrics I saw. So Josh Allen to me was probably the biggest, he's the definition of this is why you wait on quarterback, because even though the guys like Deshaun Watson, Kyler Murray, Patrick Mahomes all produced for fantasy you know you got such a better value for a guy like Josh Allen in the later rounds or mid to late rounds and he's the definition of why you always wait but the other thing about Josh Allen is the same coach the same system these are the things we need to identify these players it allows them to play f- faster and they grow in the system Josh Allen just another example of that it was his third year in that system in Buffalo Uh, with Brian Dayball. And I think that's extremely important when we're looking at this moving forward. And the great news about Josh Allen is he's going to have Brian back next year because he didn't get a head coaching job. So definitely love that one. The second one for me is Aaron Rodgers. And this is something I talk about if 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 any any of your listeners saw any of my original content I used used to post. I always talk about the year two leap. And the year two leap talks about guys in the second year of a system make up the biggest jumps. And Aaron Rodgers was that he was in Matt LaForce system for the second time uh, for his second season, and you just saw his his play just jump. And of course, Devontae Adams being healthy for the majority of this season definitely helped him as well. But they just took it to another level, Robert Tanyan. And Aaron Rodgers was basically left for dead. He was a borderline QB one, he was the QB twelve, and you can get him in the double-digit rounds. No one even wanted him. I got him in like the 13th 14th round as as I faded quarterbacks in one of my drafts so Aaron Rodgers and Josh Allen to me are the two biggest uh, values for this year because the guys around them Russell Wilson Deshaun Watson Kyler Murray Patrick Mahomes even Lamar Jackson they were pretty much drafted ahead of them and they finished or right on par with those guys
1: That's a great call, and I'm going to give a shout-out to some of the deeper names as well. My man Justin Herbert, drafted as a QB 35, if drafted at all, finished up QB 9, and Ryan Tannehill, QB 21, finished QB 7. So he did very well also. That's a great call, man. Again, that continuity is big with the longtime veteran in Aaron Rodgers, of course, third year in that scheme, and then uh, Josh Allen as well. Let's turn the page to running backs. Give me some running back values.
0: Okay, so (laughs) – Um, You know, what's funny too. And and the three names that really popped out to me the most were David Montgomery, Jonathan Taylor and James Robinson. And the thing about these guys, though, there was a lot to go into it, right? So James, uh, James Robinson, they traded Leonard Fournette, probably, I think it was like early August, they got rid of him. And James Robinson became a household name because some of the injuries to Raquel Armstead because of COVID. But he was a great value in drafts. And I think a lot of us are aware of that. But I think it was the uh, Jay Gruden system, you know, he's a very good offensive mind and James Robinson flourished as the true RB one in that offense, but there was injuries that really helped him. You know, Chris Thompson, the passing game uh, running back, got hurt also during the year, but it is what it is. This is kind of the, the way of fantasy and sometimes is how it works out and just how things shake out. So injuries really helped these three guys, except same thing with David Montgomery, you know, Montgomery finished as, a, like, as strong as anybody could, but a lot of that might be tied to, to uh, Tariq Cohen and there's a lot of question marks with that you know are are we going to be paying a premium for David Montgomery next year knowing that Cohen's coming back next year I think there is some rumors going around that the uh, the Bears might go after the Watson which would be interesting because then that's just going to elevate everything on that offense but David Montgomery is another guy where if Tariq Cohen plays 16 games does he really finish this high but hey, this is the way things break. He was probably one of the best bargains. You can get him consistently in the fifth, sixth round. And plus he was dealing with injuries in the off season too. So he he slipped a little bit in drafts. And the final guy is Jonathan Taylor. Once again, Marlon Mack gets hurt. If you told me that Marlon Mack was going to get hurt in week one, I think everybody would have had Jonathan Taylor as probably a borderline first round pick, maybe even a first round pick. The reason why he was a value though, is because he was going to split time with Marlon Mack. Well, that didn't happen. And then he kind of went through this little bit of a lull in the middle of the season and then he took off at the end of the year. So, you know, a lot of these names, unfortunately, I don't personally until we kind of get a better understanding of, you know, what the offseason moves are for these teams. I think Jonathan Taylor of the three is the most stable. You're definitely going to have him as a a first round pick next year. And in that offense and let's say they go get Carson Wentz or they bring in a Matthew Stafford and that offense takes the next step that's just more scoring opportunity. So you got to love that. But overall it's just a, a product of circumstances for the guys that really finished extremely well uh, at the top uh, of the, of the draft boards. But I think another thing is uh, <laughs> he's not really a, a big time value, but at the same time it was Derek Henry. I mean, he was another guy at the top of this list that I was looking at and I'm like, he did it again. And the good news is the Titans just promoted Todd Dowling's who was on their staff. So they're looking to keep that continuity. It doesn't seem like they're going to change the scheme. They're hiring within, which is good news. So you know they're going to still lead the, uh, try to run the ball with Derrick Henry, establish the run, which is, you know, it is what it is, but that's what they like to do. So those are some of the guys that I'd like to highlight on this. Another guy, which we could say, it, I mean, Kareem Hunt finished as a top 12 running back. And he also, but on a consistency basis, he was more of a mid-range RB two, but his draft price was not, that high he was about fifth round but like we touched on with with Kareem Hunt he was extremely hot in the first couple weeks of the season and he kind of really tailed off towards the end but at the same time you know he definitely helped teams this year so those are some of the names that I highlighted that really stood out to me for running backs.
1: You made a great call on Kareem Hunt early in the season when you had mentioned that a lot of his production was coming uh, in the fourth quarter of blowouts either way. Yeah. Uh, when, Nick Chubb, when Nick Chubb was getting out of the system and Kareem Hunt was getting a lot of more checkdowns and look, he's a great back, but Nick Chubb is the f- number one option there for Cleveland right now. Um, so that was a great, uh, you know, just kind of observation there. And I think we need to take that into consideration next year. And of course, he did finish as the RB11 overall, but Nick Chubb missed five games. You know, if he plays, we'll see if they both played a full season, we'll see if they can both have that kind of uh, camaraderie uh, next year moving forward. But great calls on those. And again, you know, David Montgomery is going to be interesting next year. Dweez kind of went off on him earlier in this week uh, with the stat episode. And it's not like we hate David Montgomery. It's just the situation worked out perfectly for him as it did James Robinson. As you mentioned, before we move on to wide receivers, I want to give Just a quick look back on the previous episode yesterday, Lucas and I broke down the zero RB strategy or the modified zero RB strategy. And, you know, does it work, why it works, how it works, how you draft everything else. So tune back on that. If you'd like to check that episode out um, with zero RB mindset, Lucas was pretty hardcore on it last year, went into it, did pretty well this season. I just wanted to mention a couple extra running backs. We didn't really dive into particular players, Uh, on the previous episode is more like the strategy and the thought process behind it. But in this research for ADP, I came along a handful of extra uh, options. I just wanted to throw out there to kind of throw a bone toward the uh, direction of the zero RB strategy or modified if you go that way. So you had, uh, we talked about James Robinson. He was the RB 58 in draft season finishes the RB seven Mike Davis RB 78 finishes the RB 12. Obviously that was due to CMC's injury. JD McKissick, RB 76 ADP finishes the RB 17. Naheem Hines, RB 55 finishes the RB 15. Wayne Gallman, RB 114 finishes the RB 33. Again, a lot of these are handcuffs. Miles Gaskin, RB 103 finishes the RB 28. And Jeff Wilson Jr., RB 111 finishes the RB 32. So almost every one of those guys, we were not expecting to have a big role because it was due to injury, but that is part of the situation. That's part of the late round strategy with running backs. We're talking about part of picking up your handcuffs. And also, as I mentioned, targeting running backs who have the opportunity to get 50 plus targets on the season. Obviously that helps you, uh, with that 1.5 extra value uh, at your running back position. So I just want to target a couple extra zero RB guys that kind of popped up in this research. Okay, Bobby, let's stick with the positive here for two more positions. Give me some uh, wide receiver values.
0: Yeah, I think, you know, to start at the top, I think at Davante Adams, his, even though his ADP was still like a borderline first round pick, I got him in drafts in the second round. His, he was purely dominant in the 14 games he played. I mean, he was, you know, 21 points per game and half point PPR. His metric and consistency was just far and away just above everybody else. And I think, you know, going into the drafts next year, and like we touched on system continuity, you know, four will be back. Aaron Rodgers most likely would be back. And very similar to like I touched on with quarterbacks, <clears throat> 18 of the top 20 uh, wide receivers had the same system, the same system going into the year as they did the prior year. That continuity really mattered for wide receivers as well. And I think Devontae Adams totally, I mean, he was probably, him and Tyreek Hill, maybe even Stephon Diggs to an extent, were the three guys that really could justify a first-round wide receiver pick this season. And I think Devontae Adams needs to be talked about as a true value. Uh, The other one, Stephon Diggs. And to me, Diggs, I, I totally missed on Diggs um, in the sense that, you know, I we always talk about this, you know, guys who change teams and especially wide receivers and pass catchers typically underperform. Um, but I think another wrinkle that we need to look at is the, where the team they're going to, is that team established? Is the quarterback established? Is the offense of coordinators established? That, those things mattered because Stefan Diggs was walking into a team that had all those pieces that were growing. And, we just saw it take off, So you can't walk out of this discussion, you know, without speaking about Stefan Diggs, obviously two other guys that probably are great values based on draft season, Calvin Ridley and DK Metcalf. Now I don't really see them as the, you know, they, they were great values. They definitely killed their ADP. They're great. Um, but I didn't highlight them as the main guys. Cause there's a couple other guys that were just completely not even close to their draft cost that just totally crushed it. It was Justin Jefferson, which is the key. Um, his, you know, I talked about in the off season, you know, I don't really like to draft rookies, you know, because it's a, a, there's a, it's a losing about one third of rookies typically hit. Um, and that's just a losing proposition. It's not something that you can definitely win on, but Justin Jefferson was one of those rookies. And in my article, I talked about the opportunity analysis. It talks about all the, the increase in pass volume projections and, and the, the Vikings were on top, one of the top teams on that list. And early on in the offseason, I was talking about, you know, Bisbee Johnson and Irv Smith. And sure enough, it was Justin Jefferson. He just completely emerged along with Adam Thielen. So you got to talk about him. And the other guy that, you know, I really think and some of this is due to some of the injury or the suspension of Will Ford, but Brandon Cooks was great. I mean, Brandon Cooks finished as a top 20 wide receiver on the year. He from a From a consistency standpoint, he was in the top 30. But he was great down the stretch, uh, and I, you could get him in the ninth round, eighth, ninth round of drafts. So he was just something, somebody else that really popped out to me as, in this, when I was doing this research. But there's other guys, too. Like, you know, I really like to look at consistency as well, but Marvin Jones finished very strong. Uh, you know, Kenny Galladay did not play. That was more due to injury, but his consistency rank was 35. So not necessarily he was, he was very hard to rely on, but during the middle of the season, he really took off and finish strong. So those are the kind of the main guys I want to highlight, but some of the studs like Calvin Ridley, DK Metcalf, you know, they really emerged this year too, so I want to highlight them as well.
1: Another guy who was pretty consistent, but also uh, had some disappointing outings, I think only because of the amount of volume he had. Of course, he had a case of the dropsies this year. That's Deontay Johnson. Um, Pretty good value in that he was a plus. I mean, you drafted him as the 29th uh, wide receiver, ends up as the 21st wide receiver. So you got value there. Um, but I, I think just, he was a little bit frustrating in that you thought he could have had much bigger games, but I think with everything going on with big Ben and the Steelers basically taking the last month of the season off uh, the juju situation and, and everything else, I just feel like there's more to come with Deontay Johnson. So that was something good. Uh, two other players I want to highlight really quick on the wide receiver Um. Again, some deeper guys. I like to look a little bit deeper because everyone's looking for the late round stud, the late round find and whatever. A couple other guys that aren't necessarily sexy draft picks, but they got it done more often than not when they were on the field. That's Robbie Anderson of the Panthers drafted wide receiver 67 finishes the wide receiver 19. Coming in, new coach, Matt Rule, Joe Brady, uh, Robbie Anderson coming over from the Jets, Teddy Bridgewater. We know that DJ Moore's there, uh, CMC at the time to start. Didn't know where he was going to fit. Thought he was kind of a one-trick pony, big play only. He ended up being more or less uh, the number one wide receiver for the majority of the season for Carolina. We'll talk about DJ Moore in a little bit, but Robbie Anderson stood out to me as somebody that outperformed their ADP significantly. Another one, my man, Cole Beasley wide receiver 69 finishes the wide receiver 27 played through basically a broken fibula, um, in the playoffs last week. Um, dudes as tough as they come. He was a great compliment to Stefan Diggs all season long, excellent wide receiver. And, uh, of course, uh, Josh Allen taking that huge step this year helped Cole Beasley as well. So just some deeper names uh, to mention on top of who you already went with. Okay, man, let's finish up the positives here and go with some tight end value. <laughs>
0: um, you know, this is funny. I, Travis Kelsey, I mean, I've talked about this over and over again, but I think uh, with Adams and now Kelsey, you know, these guys were just so much better than the, comp, the rest of the position group that you have to highlight them. I mean, Travis Kelsey could be considered now borderline. Based on the season he just had, if he if we ran it back for 2021, he's a borderline first-round pick because he's just that much of a difference maker. Plus the injury to Kittle, there really wasn't true competition at the top um for so his draft position getting him in the late second round in most drafts he was a great value but the true ones Robert Tanyan is somebody that was huge and he was extremely consistent mostly because he caught a lot of touchdowns that might be a little bit of red, red flag going into next year um it'll be interesting to see what the the Packers do I know we talk about this every year with their receiving core but it seems like they're pretty set there and it looks like Robert Tanyan uh, could be back as the true, you know, pass catching tight end. And remember the Matt LaFleur scheme is the Kyle Shanahan scheme, you know, George Kittle. So a lot of people were drafting Jay Sternberger as like the late round flyer, but sure enough, it was Robert Tanyan. And the good news is the system is staying in place. So I think Tanyan is someone that you could definitely look at next year. Name on this list is TJ Hawkinson. So <clears throat> Hawkinson to me, you know, I was, I was high on Hawkinson this year. I was looking at know darryl bevel scheme i know they like to use tight ends and it came to fruition um you know he was eighth in in consistency but he still finishes a very strong top end tight end one uh the, there's a lot more uncertainty now with him but the good news is with anthony lynn coming in as offensive coordinator for the detroit lions um and we can see where that goes with uh, dan campbell and company but at the same time you know we saw anthony lynn oversee offenses dating back to charles clay Uh but I'm maybe less high t- on TJ Hawkins for next year, but he was a great value based on what you drafted him. And then finally is uh, my tried and true Logan Thomas. Uh, I think Sky gives me more credit than I deserve on this one, but uh, I, uh, you know, take this it, guy, bro. Take the wins. <laughs> take the wins. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. Um, yeah. I'm going to get a tattoo of Logan Thomas's face on my ass. So <laughs> um, Logan Thomas is uh, he's, he was like, listen, we talked about this with the uh, opportunities analysis, like in my, if you read any of my articles with this, Washington had a boatload of targets available and they were moving to a more pass heavy offense under Scott Turner. And sure enough, they used the tight end Logan Thomas just killed it. And, you know, I think, you know, you could have got him for free, uh, even in best ball drafts It's like the 20th round. I got him as my last pick and he really worked out. So really those are the guys that stood out to me as the best values of the shared fantasy for tight ends.
1: I'll give a quick shout out to Darren Waller as well. Um, you know, you drafted him early. He finished high. He wasn't terribly consistent, but he is the number one in Las Vegas. And more often than not, you caught a break with Darren Waller, and, and it, it equaled out. And I think he was the, the odd man out preseason. The reason I'm bringing him up, he was drafted after the big four. Obviously, some version of Kelsey and Kittle preseason. Zach Ertz and then Mark Andrews were kind of flipping back at three and four. And then you had Darren Waller at number five. And I think people were just kind of like, eh, I didn't get one of those big four. I'll get Darren Waller in the seventh round. Like hopefully he has a couple good games. And while, you know, it's the Raiders and it's Derek Carr and it's Darren Waller, he had a couple two target performances, but he also had a 200 yard performance and he's a huge uh, threat to score at any time as well. So Darren Waller had a um, great upside uh, also and um, was the only one even close to uh, – challenging Kelsey uh, throughout this season on a weekly basis. Okay. So we've gone through the positives and, you know, such as life, we need to get into uh, balancing it out and going with the negatives here. Um, Bobby, give me some of the quarterbacks that unfortunately did not return value on their draft position. And again, we're trying to avoid guys like Dak Prescott um, maybe even drew Brees, who missed four or five games. But give me some of those other guys that we drafted early. And again, the conversation of drafting early, drafting late, it's kind of another topic. We're going to go through it a lot this off season, but give me some of the guys that uh, underperformed on their current ADP.
0: Yeah. You know, the thing is when I was looking at this, uh, you know, the one guy, obviously he got hurt, but it was probably Drew Brees that stood out to me. You know, he was, the only one that was in the top, you know, eight quarterbacks that truly did not finish anywhere close to the top ten, and Drew Brees, even on a consistency basis, was seventeenth in consistency. Even when he missed those, even when he played, and he truly lacked elite upside. So, in my metrics, I used it's twenty nine points uh, for quarterbacks as an elite performance. He had zero of those, so he gave you zero week winning weeks, and he was drafted as a top eight quarterback consistently. Um, pretty much across the board uh, on every site. Uh, the other guy that I that really kind of underperformed from a consistency standpoint was Matt Ryan. Now we could sit here and say it was because of Julio Jones, but you know I, he just didn't get it done this year. And I think the problem with Matt Ryan is we talk about this all the time is he's always up and down. And we, I mean, Sky, we kind of talked about this too. Is you know he keeps having changes. He's going to have another change at offensive coordinator. Uh, so that's going to be a whole thing with Arthur Smith coming in. That offense is probably going to lose a lot of volume for next year, but I think he completely disappointed, even though he finished as a top 12 quarterback, his consistency was 16th uh, in the metrics. And, you know, he did have some nice elite performances. He had about 25% over 29, but overall he just wasn't giving you any value, but for the most part, the top guys, you know, I'll sit here all day and tell you, Lamar Jackson and Patrick Mahomes did not return value for you where you drafted him. So Patrick Mahomes, was about 16th overall, 17th overall on average amongst the sites. That's a second-round pick, and these guys, even though they were good, I mean, Patrick Holmes, top-five quarterback, you know, for pretty much the whole season, Lamar Jackson really turned it on. I mean, he might have – if you drafted Lamar Jackson, you survived that second-round pick, he probably won you fantasy because he dominated in, in the playoffs. But I think this is just another reminder that early quarterback does not work. Do not draft him in the second round. There's too much value to be had in the middle – Round. so those are the guys that I think
1: I should highlight for this piece I will couple uh, Lamar Jackson here I was going to bring him up as well drafted as a second quarterback pretty much everywhere behind Patrick Mahomes of course and he finishes the QB 10 now on the surface you're thinking that's still a QB 1 QB 10's great top 10 at any position is what we're looking for but there's such a difference between QB 10 at uh, and QB 1 and tight end 10 and tight end 1 so at the quarterback and Uh, Tight end positions getting the top 10 is not necessarily as good as it sounds like a top 10 running back and wide receiver. The biggest thing was with Lamar Jackson. He had five and a half points per game less than last year when he won the MVP. So five and a half again doesn't sound like a lot, but you couple that over an entire season. All right. We're talking about a huge drop for Lamar Jackson. Now there are some reports and I've been hearing quite a bit after the Ravens uh, have had a couple weeks to breathe and talk to the media and reflect on their own season. And they were trying to push the ball downfield more. They were trying to get Lamar Jackson more of a quarterback, blah, 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 and all these conversations. And basically at the end of the season, you know, he was just kind of like, look. We win games when I am the joystick. If I get hurt, I get hurt. I need to be a runner. I need to be a bigger part of this offense. I'm going to go do that. And he did. And that's when he started dominating for fantasy. Didn't in the front half. So we'll see what happens in 2021. But perhaps that changes. Another couple honorable mentions, if you will. Russell Wilson on fire the first half of the season in the MVP race, blah, 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 drops off of a cliff. And it looks like the Seahawks want to go more to a run-based offense. Once again, there was a couple of guys throughout the season. who you drafted early and may have uh, let you down with consistency. So unfortunately with those quarterbacks, as you mentioned, Bobby, drafting early can be dangerous either to have the underperformance of Mahomes or Jackson, because they have to give you top performance to get value or maybe somebody gets hurt like a Dak Prescott and that can cliff your team. All right, let's have the same conversation. Who are some of the running backs that underperformed? Yeah, this one hurts, Kenyon Drake. I
0: I was excited about Kenyon Drake going into the season and he just didn't get it done. Um he was he was very consistent in the sense that he'd get you like average like 10 11 points and half point PPR. But when you're talking about a first round pick, that's not going to get it done. I mean, he he truly lacked elite upside. I mean, he only had you know, so for this category, elite was about 22 points a game. He only did that 13 times a season of the 15 games he played. Plus, Chase Edmonds looked more explosive. And, you know, Cliffs-Kingsbury, it's going to start catching up to him. They need to make a serious leap next year. Their offense, with all the talent they had, looked pretty bland for supposed to be in this air raid offense. But Drake was a big bust. The other one is CEH. Yes, he did get hurt. But, I mean, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire in a Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid system You know, just was not even a top 20 running back, you know, overall in the season, even on a per game basis. Yes, he he got in there a little bit, but from a consistency standpoint of my metrics, he was 28th in consistency and he had zero elite performances. So he didn't even give you that elite upside for drafting a guy in the first round. You know, I thought he was going to be like a Kareem Hunt when Kareem Hunt was a rookie in 2017, but that did not happen. Uh, some uh, other guys that I thought really stood out to me that were almost borderline useless was Devin Singletary. I mean, he was being drafted as a fifth round pick. I mean, Devin Singletary was being drafted at the time around guys like David Montgomery, JD, uh, J.K. Dobbins, DeAndre Swift. Like he was being drafted around those guys, even Antonio Gibson. Uh, so he was still being valued as a, you know, five, six round pick. And he was he was not good at all. I mean, he, he had, he had a game, he, 81% of his games were under 12 points. And that's just, that's not going to get done for a fifth six round pick. You know, he was not even usable most of the season. And I think Zach Moss and him are going to be, we just saw the bills are willing to completely abandon the run game hundred uh, percent if they need to. And that's what happened when Zach Moss was out. So there's not a lot of faith in singletary it looks like moving forward. And the other guy's Mark Ingram. Uh, I think I had, I had two, I, I of my nine teams or whatever it was, I had Mark Ingram on two of them. That was too too many. I, I thought Mark Ingram, I think after last year, he looked like he still had a lot in the tank. And even though his age was getting closer to 30, you know, he was splitting time most of his career with Alvin Kamara. Uh so he didn't really have a lot of tread on his tires. And I thought another year with Greg Roman and, and Lamar Jackson, he would be perform as a fourth round pick. I was so wrong. And uh, that one hurt. He was he was a fourth, fifth round pick in most drafts and he He just bought him out completely. Yes, he missed a majority of the season, but on a consistency rank, which factors in points and game points per game, he was 88th amongst running backs. So he's definitely someone that really stood out to me as well.
1: Didn't have the explosion, didn't score the touchdowns, got supplanted by Gus Edwards. We saw that at the end of last year. Justice Hill was still around. And, of course, rookie J.K. Dobbins, who I think we all expect to become the number one uh, next year as well in Baltimore. And, of course, that led to Mark Ingram. Being released. So, uh, incredible fantasy career for Mark Ingram. Of course, most of those coming with the Saints. Uh, but unfortunately, I think his run as a uh, rostered running back in fantasy is behind him. A couple of names I want to throw out there. Look, Zeke Elliott. Um, again, it's the Dak Prescott effect. I'm not going to dwell on it too much. But again, you drafted him like third overall as a running back but also third overall as a player. And he finishes an RB9. That's not going to get it done, clearly. Uh, Josh Jacobs' first-round pick in a lot of leagues, um, RB8 as well, uh, didn't get it done there on a consistent basis. Had a huge week one, kind of carried his workload uh, when you look at consistency. And then Le'Veon Bell, CEH, James Conner, Cam Akers, all these guys underperformed on their ADP, Uh, I mean, CEH was getting drafted as a top five, top seven running back. He finished as an RB2. Le'Veon Bell um, drafted as the RB20, finished as 63. Uh, Cam Akers didn't come on till late, so I I think he's going to explode. We saw the upside, so I'll give him a pass. And James Conner drafted at 15, finished as RB27. So another couple of guys that unfortunately didn't give you back the value that you wanted from your middle-round running backs. All right, Bobby, let's turn it over to wide receivers. So,
0: you know, the first I, the first two guys I want to highlight did have some strongness, uh, strong points this season. But I think that they truly did not take the next step. A lot of people thought they were the first one, was DJ Moore uh, after the season two years ago, heading into his third year. You know, a lot of people had him inside their top 10 for rankings, and he was being drafted consistently around that uh, two, three turn as a potential top 10 wide receiver. And he finished just outside the top 20, but he also finished 25th in consistency. And especially early on in the season, Robbie Anderson was the guy, not him. And the biggest thing I want to talk about with DJ Moore was they had to change in offensive philosophy. They had a new offensive coordinator. I know a lot of excitement on Joe Brady, but also Teddy Bridgewater. You know, I talked about this a lot in my opportunities analysis, like Teddy Bridgewater in his career was only attempting about 450 passes. So even if they got somewhere in the middle uh, they were going to lose a lot of, of volume. And with Robbie Anderson coming in, I was very worried about DJ Moore. And sure enough, I think he definitely underperformed. Um, and he didn't have a lot of elite performances. So for wide receivers, elite performances categorized at 19 points per game. He only had 6% of his performances were elite. So he didn't even give you that elite upside a lot of times. So he's the first. one. the second guy is Cooper Cup. Um, <clears throat> he only ended up missing one game, but he felt like he had missed more than that. But Cooper Cup was a top 15 wide receiver heading into the season for ADP, you know, Jared Goff and, and Sean McVay and everyone's coming back. And I thought he was going to be fantastic and he usually fits my criteria, but he finished 41st in consistency amongst wide receivers and that's not going to get it done. He also didn't really have a lot of big elite 13%, um, but I think he was a big time bust uh, for, for the drafting, especially where he was going in that borderline three, four area. A couple other guys that I, I think we should definitely talk about, too, that maybe they were mid-round picks, but they still were not even close to where they're being drafted. The first one is T.Y. Hilton. Uh, T.Y. Hilton, to me, I, I thought I was a little bit higher on T.Y. because he was coming into a lot more opportunities with Phil Rivers. I thought he was going to be much better than he was. It, he did pick it up during the middle of the season, but as a top 25 ADP and he finished as the wide receiver outside of the top 30 in wide receivers, but he also finishes the wide receiver 62 in consistency. That's just not going to get it done uh, for fantasy. The next guy is DJ Chark. Um, I know a lot of people were excited about DJ Chark with Garner Minshew, and he was being drafted consistently as a, you know, <clears throat> top 20 wide receiver in that range, probably around the fifth round pick. But he's being drafted over guys like McLaurin, Keenan Allen, Tyler Lockett. And he just – he finishes, though, wide receiver 54 in consistency. And that's – yikes. It, 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 it's unfortunate for him. Uh, they're going to have more on uh, uncertainty next year. If Trevor Lawrence coming in, there could be a little bit more excitement, but we'll see what uh, that offense does now that they have Daryl Bevel uh, as their OC. And then, finally, <clears throat> Henry Ruggs. Uh, you know, Henry Ruggs was a later-round pick uh, in fantasy drafts, but <clears throat> I think he he just – He didn't really do anything. I mean, he had zero elite performances this year in 13 games. He finished as a wide receiver 91 in consistency. He was a popular, you know, ninth, 10th round pick that just didn't come to fruition. I think it kind of fits my narrative where I was talking about to avoid rookie wide receivers. Uh, And he was the wide receiver 40 in ADP. So just some of the deeper names that you like to highlight, too, that um, just didn't pay off for you in fantasy.
1: Before we move on to the guys that I had, let's talk about Tyler Lockett. You mentioned him really quick. Now, technically, when you look on paper, he's certainly returned value. He finishes the wide receiver eight in PPR on the season, uh, clearly a very good season. But a lot of that obviously came against the, the game against the Cardinals, 200 yards and uh, uh, three touchdowns. He did not do very well consistency wise. Mm-hmm. Would you consider, even though he finished top eight, would you consider Lockett, a value at ADP or somewhat of a, somewhat of a, um, a disappointment. And again, that's a weird question because literally he gave you value, but is that the type of player you actually want on your team week to week?
0: Uh, no, uh, I don't think, I don't think you, I mean, 62% of his games were considered subpar and half point PPR, which is under 12 points per game. Um, you know, I think Tyler Lockett to me, you know, he, you're going to get hurt from a fantasy wide receiver that finishes with six, seven, eight points. And that's where he was a lot of times, especially in the second half of the year. But at, at wide receiver 22, you got him consistently in the fifth round. You know, finishing as the wide receiver 29 in consistency, he had, you know, 31% of his games for considered uh, number one wide receiver numbers. That's a little bit less than he amongst the other top 12 wide receivers that were in this metric. But at the same time, that's still, you know, right around the same amount of percentage that you would get for guys in the, in the 20 range. And that's where he was, his ADP was. So I don't think he was a bust. And I also don't think he was a value either. I think, you know, you got what you, I think you got, you got what you paid for.
1: with Got it. All right. A couple other names. Again, a lot of these were due to injury, but just some unfortunate situations. Odell Beckham being lost for the season, Cortland Sutton being lost for the season before we even got started. If you drafted early enough, he was a, a fifth round pick. Um, You know, we had guys, A.J. Green, of course. Devontae Parker was super up and down. Obviously, Marquise Brown didn't exist for the first half of the season. Julian Edelman out for the season. Tyler Boyd uh, didn't do as much when uh, Joe Burrow went down. Again, a lot of those guys getting picked in the uh, first six rounds, uh, which could have hurt your team. The biggest one for me, man, and this is strictly due to injury, and unfortunately, I think it's probably closer to the end than uh, I want to believe (laughs) But my man, Julio Jones, um, we give him half a pass because it's injury related. But Julio has been injury related his entire season. Look, I had him as my number three wide receiver, um, number two in some rankings uh, behind Michael Thomas and uh, uh, Adams. But ahead of Nuke, ahead of uh, Tyreek Hill preseason. And when he was on the field, Julio Jones is, is amazing. 20 plus 25 plus points per game, especially in PPR, but, um, getting drafted, uh, as you know, a second round pick wide receiver three and finishing wide receiver 52 and, uh, just not helping you down the stretch when you needed him in the playoffs and getting ready for the playoffs, I think was just a super bummer. So that one kind of hurt me personally <laughs> the most. Cause I invest so much in my man, Julio. Uh, I love him as a player. I love him as a fantasy asset. Uh, but unfortunately it, um, the wheels, fell off this year. And you mentioned Matt Ryan earlier, and a lot of that had to do with both of them. But uh, unfortunately, I think it's maybe closer to the end uh, for Julio than I want to admit. Okay, man, let's get into the tight ends here. Who were a couple of the tight ends that uh, did not return value for you?
0: All right. Let's see. Um, You know, when I was looking at this, uh, you know, there's two names that really stood out to me the most and you know that was Evan Ingram and, and Tyler Higby. Uh, so Evan Ingram, you know, I actually was okay with him as, as a draft asset. I think I had him as eight on my rankings, and he was seventh in ADP. But the thing about Evan Ingram was he played 16 games and he finished as the outside of the top 15 for tight ends when he played 16 games, and he finished as a tight end 20 in consistency. That is that's very surprising, but I was worried about Evan Ingram in the sense that you know. Jason Garrett likes traditional tight ends, the Jason Wittens, the blocking tight end that can be used in the passing game, not the other way around. And uh, Evan Ingram is not your typical prototypical uh, tight end where you can line in line and block and then play off that uh, in the pass game. So, you know, that's something that came to fruition for him. The other guy is me and your – we hedged on him a little bit. I remember Tyler Higby. Uh, Higby was, uh, you know, right around uh, tight end – nine and ADP. We had him like at 11 or 12, I think in our rankings, both of us. He finishes the tight end 37, the tight end 37 in consistency. That is, that's, that's hard. I think that's hard to do. I, don't even, I didn't realize there was 37 tight ends in, in, in the league, like let alone finishing as the tight end 37 for somebody that was being <laughs> consistently drafted. That is shockingly bad. Um, you know, so those two guys to me really stood out because they were consistently being drafted pretty much across the board and they were completely useless for fantasy throughout the year. Two other guys though that I think are, are a little more uh they did have their moments, but they ended up being kind of uh, very inconsistent were Rob Gronkowski and Hayden Hurst. Uh I know me and New liked Hayden Hurst a lot. And I think Hayden Hurst to me, um, you know, obviously, unfortunately, you know, Arthur Smith coming is probably good news. They did use a lot of the tight ends in that offense with Johnny Smith and Anthony Ferguson, so maybe that will help. But, you know, that new offense might be a red flag. But Rob Gronkowski, too, you know, his ADP was tight end six. He didn't finish terribly. I mean, he was still probably, you know, just inside the top 10 overall uh, for tight ends. But the thing about Rob Gronkowski, he was 15th in consistency. So, you know, he really wasn't someone you can rely on. Uh, similar to him is like Mike Jaziki, too. was like, you know, Jaziki was drafted as like the tight end 15. So I didn't put him on this list technically, but he finished a lot higher than how he actually performed. He was tight end seven in points uh, overall, but he finishes the tight end 17 in consistency. So these guys were a little bit tougher to rely on, but they at least had their moments. Unlike Evan Ingram and Tyler Higbee, which were just duds all year pretty much.
1: Yeah. Another couple names here. Uh, John who Smith um finished a tight end 16 uh jared cook finished tight end 18 george kittle of course and that was injury related again uh but the good news about george kittle he played half a season he played eight games and well parts of two uh and he still finished tight end 19 and he was number two in points per game so george kittle coming back healthy next year should be just fine dallas goddard and uh, Zach Ertz, of course the pair coming in we thought was going to be a great duo Maybe Dallas Goddard would supplant uh, Zach Ertz, which did happen, but both those guys had injury problems even when they were on the field more frustrating for Zach Ertz early when he was healthy still wasn't getting the target still wasn't getting the work dropping balls wasn't very effective with Carson Wentz that was certainly frustrating Austin Hooper, um, you were either on like the super hype train of Austin Hooper going to Cleveland or fading him completely as I was. He finished as the tight end 21. Very frustrating because he's super talented, but he has terrible hands, as does Eric Ebron, who finished outside the top 50, uh, 15 as well. And uh, so just, you know, another couple of these names were like you expected more from them. I mean, we can mention Chris Herndon if you want to, just because we were all excited about him. Some Somehow he played 14 games. Like, I literally don't remember... Over an entire season, Bobby, of talking, previewing games with you specifically. Talking Jets. I think we mentioned Chris Herndon's name maybe three times. And I'm pretty sure it was the last three weeks we did it. It was kind of like, oh, what about Chris Herndon? Like, is he still on the team? Like, what's the deal with Chris Herndon? So he was a super bust, I think, because, I mean, he was a late round pick flyer. So it's hard to be a bust at that point. But I think a lot of preseason hype as like that guy to sneak in would be right. fun. Uh, Jack Doyle, Kyle Rudolph, again, some of these later on guys, uh, Blake Jarwin got hurt as well. So a lot of them were injury related, but still, if you don't go top heavy at tight end, you have to go late. But if you go late and your guys don't hit, you're screwed. I went with Travis Kelsey or George Kittle in every league I possibly could. If I missed on those two guys, I did not go Ertz. I did not go Waller. I did not go Andrews. I went all the way to the bottom and I picked up Jarwin and John Smith and almost every other league. I didn't get a top guy. Well, that looked really cool preseason with all of the hype, all of the uh, attitude that Dak Prescott was going to be Dak Prescott and John, who was going to be the next big thing there in Tennessee, blah, blah, blah. Well, Jarwin goes down. John doesn't do much. He gets hurt. They have uh, issues there in, um, in uh, Tennessee with the tight end position. And all of a sudden (laughs) my tight end position was streaming the rest of the year. And I do not like to be in that position. Right. There was another name here too. Um, Noah Fant finished as the uh, tight end eight, which was solid. Um, but again, I think the upside and the the um, the hype we had for him preseason uh, didn't quite get it together. And a lot of that was Drew Locke and other receivers coming in and out and things, and not having the consistency. But he is somebody I'm I'm looking forward to um, next year. So pretty stoked about that eventually. But Noah Fant, I think, is is kind of uh, the best is yet to come. I'll put it that way. Okay, Bobby. So we're going to have a little bit of a change of plans here. We had uh, scheduled in a mock draft. Um, we wanted to get you doing your perfect mock draft. Um, but for sake of time, because I want to make sure that you take time getting your picks in, doing it properly, doing it the way you want to. Um, we are going to punt that uh, mock draft to another episode. No big deal. We'll do it next week uh, while we preview the games because there's only one game to preview. And that is Super Bowl 55. Before we get out of here, you guys know I need to give a shout out to our boys over at Jersey Jungle. That's Instagram at the Jersey Jungle. Clean, crisp, exactly the same replicated jerseys you see on game day. Go check them out if you're looking for your favorite player. Maybe you're looking to get one of these Buccaneers or Chiefs jerseys before they win the Super Bowl, get on the bandwagon early, or maybe in two weeks you're looking to capitalize on whoever the winning team is because you're collecting those items. You've heard Dweez over the last couple of weeks mentioning the trio out there in Washington, um, getting that Chase Young, uh, Antonio Gibson, and Terry McLaurin getting three young studs who should be great for a long time for Washington, but they're not going to be on the Washington football team after this season. That's just a one-time team name. I believe once they get another mascot, those jerseys will become collector's items. You can get a pack of three jerseys right now from the Jersey jungle if you mention the TCK code, you get 15% off those jerseys. Football jerseys are $60 anyway. They're $120 on NFL.com, $60 bucks from the Jersey Jungle. I have one myself. I would not uh, rep something I didn't believe in. I would not rep something I don't have in my possession. I have one. It's a Justin Herbert baby blue LA Chargers jersey. It's clean AF, really stoked on it. 60 bucks. use the TCK code, 10% off one, 10% off two, three jerseys gets you 15% off collect your favorite player who helped you win that hashtag TCK title Bobby who is a jersey that you must have from this season either somebody to help you bring home a title or maybe somebody from your favorite team who is a player with a jersey that you've got to have
0: kind
1: of Logan Thomas I mean Logan, Logan, on, like, Thomas.
0: Logan Thomas Thomas. because he made a great point about the Washington football team thing right so like that could be a one-time thing that's like totally cool um, but at the same time like you got to toot your horn once in a while. And like Logan Thomas to me was just like that one guy. I was like, you know, I, I started talking about and being right. And hey, let's just focus on that. Let's not, let's avoid Chris Herndon. Forget I even brought him up. <laughs> let's focus more <laughs> on Logan Thomas. And we're good. Like, I, and, and listen, in, in and I'll say this though. I think Chris Herndon with the new coaching staff could be
1: someone we can talk about at a later time. I think that should be a good one. Same. And maybe we'll just save the Chris Herndon take from this year. We'll just yes. copy paste it into next year. And that way Beautiful. we'll- We'll, we'll up, we'll just update the files as we go. That's not a
0: problem.
1: Go get yourself a Logan Thomas. I need to get myself an Alvin Kamara. I need to get myself some throwbacks. I want a Calvin Johnson. I got to get a Larry Fitzgerald before he's gone. He's one of my favorite players of all time. Of course, one of the better dudes in all of professional sports and maybe even a throwback. I'm thinking about getting myself a clean Roger Craig, 49ers Jersey, the first player, in NFL history to go for a thousand rushing yards and a thousand receiving yards, Marshall Falk and Christian McCaffrey. Of course, the other two go to the Jersey jungle on Instagram at the Jersey jungle. Mention that Bobby and sky sent you from TCK. Get yourself 10% off of one or two jerseys, 15% off of three jerseys. They're already half the price of NFL.com. Same quality. Go hit them up. Bobby always a pleasure man real stoked for this we got a quote unquote week off because we do not have a pro bowl this year because of covid so enjoy a kind of a lower key weekend I know you've been very busy in your personal life with the work and everything else going on in the world right now it's been nuts. We don't slow down here on the TCK. We're going to take a couple days off after the Super Bowl, but we get right back to action. So stick with us. Find us on Instagram at fantasyfootball underscore TCKpod. Find us on Twitter at TCK underscore pod. Website under construction, but you can keep up to date on there, tckpod.com. We have the draft guide update coming in. We've got updates about the TCK Listener League. Y'all are already asking about it. We will update you. Go hit up the Jersey Jungle on Instagram. And Bobby, please, once again, let everybody know where they can find all your content currently.
0: Yeah, you can follow me uh, on Instagram at Fantasy Football X Factor, on Twitter at FFX Factor. And also, I'll be writing off-season articles for football.raswell.com, highlighting some of the shadow coverage stuff I went over in the
1: season, but also the coaching changes as well. And we'll be talking about that on the TCK pod. Beautiful. Episode 354 in the books. Everybody have a wonderful, safe, and enjoyable weekend. If you're up here in the Pacific Northwest and we finally just got some snow, go enjoy the slopes, y'all. Hope you're having a wonderful time. Be safe. Be healthy. Appreciate yourself. Appreciate each other. And we'll catch you next time for my man, Bobby LaMarco. I'm your host, Sky Guasco, and we are out of here.